Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. And let me tell you, Ephesians is a fantastic book. The summer has been the study of Ephesians. And I know, I know, if you've been coming on Wednesday night, everybody gave a handout, and I don't have a handout to fill in the blank. I'm going to make you work for it, all right? I'm not going to let you just fill in this little blank and stuff. You're going to have to work for it. So you get your notes out. I think they maybe passed out some note sheets, write some stuff down. I'll, I'll highlight some stuff for you. Uh, I want you to... Uh, Take some notes tonight, and, and, and not always, every time you come. And because when you go home from here, uh, I want you to read back over those. I want you this week, every, every week you should go back and reread the notes that you had taken, whether it be Sunday or Wednesday, because the Holy Spirit is alive in all of us, and he'll continue to reveal things to you. And as you begin to go through it again and process it, the word is alive and more revelation will come. And so tonight, I have been assigned Ephesians 5, so I've really uh, appreciated, I've been thanking Pastor Ken, he is not here tonight, he's taking a couple days off, I thank him for, Pastor, uh, for chapter 5, it's the big one. And so, uh, I'm like, oh, well, praise the Lord, thank you for that one. And, uh, but uh, a couple topics in here, we're going to focus on just one in particular, but let's go ahead and jump in right now. I'm going to start reading in verse 1, I'm going to read this first half, if you will, and then we're really going to jump in the second half, but here's, here's Ephesians 5, 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these, imp- because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. Can you see why I was just really thick? Thank you, Pastor Ken, for giving me this passage of scripture. Really a blessing. Okay, anyways, let's keep going. Kind of speaks for itself right here. Uh, for this, you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person such, as a pers- such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, not be partners with them, for you once were in darkness, amen, we once were, we no longer are, because now we are in the light of the Lord, or in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Our life should produce fruit, of this kind of fruit, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything is exposed by the light. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful how you live. Amen. There's a good word for us. Be careful how we live. Listen, we need to not just have randomness to our life. We need to be intentional and purposeful and follow the teachings of the Lord. Uh, Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How many would agree? Okay, they are. And uh, the days are evil. Therefore, not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. I love that word. It's just a fun word to say, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Capital S, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Songs from the Spirit, speaking in the Holy Ghost, right? We'll get to those things on Sundays. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Now, so, you know, I'd love to spend time to go into there. I got one, I got just this week, and then we're moving on to the next chapter uh, next week. But uh, anyway, so go back, and those things are somewhat of that self-explanatory. But I think what what I really wanted to dive in tonight is the next section, which talks about marriage. 
And so I'm gonna spend the rest of the night on that. Uh, what a great topic that is, especially in the world we live in today, amen? Uh, I just wanna throw out a couple names for you. Uh, Jimmy Evans is a great resource for marriage. In fact, a lot of our Married for Life studies come from Jimmy Evans' materials. In fact, some of what I'll share tonight uh, comes from Jimmy Evans, and maybe you've heard it. I hope that you've heard it before because we learn a lot by repetition, get it down on the side of you. Uh, Joe McGee, we just had Joe a couple weeks ago. Love Joe, he's got great stuff. Also, I would recommend going to Jimmy Evans' website, Joe McGee's website, and downloading or buying, purchasing, however you do that. Anything and everything you can, it will be money well invested when you invest in your marriage and your family. And so the power of the word needs to continue to get inside of us because there's such an attack on the family unit and on marriages today, for sure. Um, Understand this that God has a perfect plan for marriage. And let me say, God has a perfect plan for marriage. There is no perfect marriage, but there's a perfect plan for it because God is perfect. So isn't it true though that anything God has a plan for is perfect? You realize God has a perfect plan for your finances and it's tithing, right? God has a perfect plan for your health. God has a perfect plan for your relationships, your friendships. God has a perfect plan for parenting your children. It's the perfect plan. We need to go to the perfect plan. And understand why, it's because he's the creator of all that. So who better to go to than the one who created it? But man, and whatever it be, his arrogance or whatever, he likes to uh, reinvent it, uh, reinterpret it or whatever, and put its own twist, his own twist and spin on it. But understand, God's plan is his perfect plan. His plans are perfect. So when you follow God's plans, you succeed. And I don't care what man does to change God's plan, only God's plan will succeed to its full potential. And God's plan is man and woman, all right? So anything other than whatever legislation and Supreme Court decisions and all that, that doesn't change that there's not gonna be the fullest potential God intended in those marriage relationships. So whatever, a man can legislate all he wants. And so understand that. And the same would be said about different things in our society, of course, obviously. We need to look to God for the perfect plan. So when we follow God's plan, we succeed. And if there have been failures and mistakes, understand this, in our past, God will help you and forgive you, he already has, and restore you. I mean, we all come from a past and we make mistakes and the goodness of God, the grace of God is forgiving and restoring. He not only forgives, he'll bring healing. In fact, if you look right over here at the cross, that right there tells you and I, your past has already been dealt with, quit living in it. Quit living, and so let's make decisions for our future, and let's find God's success in our future, okay? Let your past be the past, it's already been, it's right there, it's already been dealt with. The cross is not about your past, it's about your future. And so we can get back on track with God's plan and we can work through all that. So we can rise above the mistakes of our past, and it only can happen through God's way. So understand this, less than one half of adult Americans are married. Now it may not seem like, yeah, that's okay. But understand that in 1930, 87% were married. Man, a lot has changed in a short period of time, and it's probably changing even faster. In fact, there's many people living as married, but not married, as there are married. And it's just, things have come because of hurts or mistakes or failures or uh, other ideas and you know things like that have come in and we've allowed those things to change our idea about marriage. Divorce is more common. Uh, living together is more common. Again, uh, the past is the past, amen. And so we can move on with God's future. So over 90% of Americans say, however, they want a, ster- a stable marriage to last for a lifetime. Over 90% of Americans say they want marriage. I just think people have given up hope. Well, because we're trying to get it from the world and the world doesn't give us any hope, right? 
It comes from God. Uh, we haven't lost the desire, obviously, or the dream. We've lost the hope, therefore we've lost our way. And so God's way is the way. So God has a plan to succeed. God created marriage to understand it. So we find that in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, the rest of this passage in Ephesians. In fact, it, it, has, it contains the greatest revelation on marriage ever in the history of man there ever could be. I mean, it really is God's perfect plan for marriage. Therefore, it contains the greatest revelation on marriage. But yet, as we get into reading it, it's one that we don't like to stay in. We don't like to read it because some of the wording. We don't like some of what it says, so we'll skip it. We'll go by it. But this is the chapter that contains some of the greatest revelation, truths, power for success on marriage right here. And this is where we find his plan. And so this is the best instruction in the Bible on marriage. And so uh, let me go ahead and let's read through that. Then I'll break some of it down for you. Verse 21, here we go. Submit. We start right out. We start right out of the gate. This is why we don't read any farther. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There's a lot of things I'd like to say here in light of the Supreme Court ruling just for us to make sure that we're staying focused on truth and you're getting questions along those lines. I don't have time for that tonight, but understand that God created marriage to be between a man and woman. We know that to be, and there's a reason, and we'll pull out some points that I believe will be good ones for you as you have these discussions with uh, friends and with uh, people as as this is a hot topic, obviously, Um, but know this, that again, God has a perfect plan for marriage. Uh, marriage, and let me just sidestep for a second. Marriage is really a covenant. We enter into a covenant. The world looks at it as a contract. That's why anybody can enter a contract. That's why man and man can enter a marriage contract, and woman and woman can enter a marriage contract. But God created a covenant between a man and woman and himself. You understand that God will not enter a, a covenant with a man and a man in marriage, and God won't enter a covenant with a woman and woman in marriage. Now, it sounds really hard, but I'm really just, this is the truth of God's word. Take it however you want to take it. Don't shoot the messenger, all right? But, so God has principles that work, and so anything outside of that is not something that will find success as God intended. And so, this is the best instruction on marriage, as I said, but many Christians don't like it, or they're uncomfortable with it, and nonetheless, it's what he's given, and obviously, we've read some of those things that the problem is. Now, we, what we like about this passage of scripture is what it says about our spouse. I like that, yeah. Yeah, woman, you need to submit to me. Come on, right? And the ladies, yeah, you need to treat me like Jesus treats the church. You need to lay your life down for me. You need to sacrifice a little bit. We like what it says about our spouses, but we don't like what it says about us, right? Well, that's why Christians don't like it. I've done, I've done a lot of uh, premarital counseling and then obviously a lot of marriages and weddings and all that. And I remember uh, early on when I first got started in doing that, when I came on staff here, I remember sitting down with one couple and she said, and this is part of, uh, the wording is, similar wording of this is part of a wedding ceremony. And she said, I'm not gonna say that submit word. And I was just, I was like, really, people can opt out of that? I mean, I didn't know, and it was like, oh, well, you could, you could do that? I, I didn't know, no one told me. I just, 
And, and she said, I'm not going to say that submit word. And I said, okay. She goes, well, just take that word out. And I said, I got to take the whole scripture out. And she's like, no, just change that word. I'm like, I, I can't change the word of God. And I'm not going to change the word of God. And I said, we will remove the whole scripture if you feel better about that. And I'm like, how's he feeling? I mean, it's like, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking, no matter if you say it or not, it's still true. You don't have to say it, you can ignore it, you can read over this passage of scripture, you can put your own twist interpretation, but how God established it and said it, it is still truth, period. So we need to just understand a little bit better on what really is being said. And so uh, we, we get real familiar with the things that we like and we wanna go over the things that we don't. But men are uncomfortable about what it says about laying our lives down sometimes, um, but we love what he says about on, honoring, uh, about the, the woman submitting or honoring, really that word being submit. And so understand this, men usually, if men know a scripture in the Bible, it's this one. Right? That guy can't tell you where to find it. I don't know where it's at, but there's some submission thing in there about you submitting to me. And so, again, it has been misunderstood. It has been used in, a, in, in the wrong way as God intended. It only works the way God intended. And so, uh, the other thing is, we don't want to go first. Well, I'm not going to submit to him until he lays his life down for me. Well, I'm not going to lay her life down for me until she submits to me. And we laugh about that, but that's reality. How many marriages in life are waiting for the other one to make the first move and they're not going to until somebody else does and therefore their marriages fall apart because they're not finding the success in God's word based on his principles? Be the first one. Because it doesn't matter what the other person does, amen? Because if Jesus was waiting on us to make the first move, he would not have given his life on the cross. And understand that going back to kind of the, not to go back to the same-sex marriage thing, but understand that the, the illustration or the analogy that God used for a relationship with him is Jesus being the groom and the church being the bride and our roles and responsibilities. And so Jesus as the groom is laying his life and has laid his life down even when we're disrespecting him, running from him, being ugly and hateful to him. And so most people will have a problem with these things because they don't want to be the first one. Well, I'm not going to do it till she does. I'm not going to do it till he does. Listen, do it because God did, because Jesus did. But it works. We don't want to go first a lot of times. And so we'd say, I'll, I'll support him and honor him as I do the Lord if he acted like the Lord instead of the devil. <laughs> right? But that, that's just how it works. I'll lay my life down for her and serve her, but I'll be doing housework all the time and wearing an apron. That's less manly. That's beneath me. Again, our society has changed to things. Uh, there's no plan B. There is no plan B. This is the plan. You know, God doesn't have to have a plan B. Isn't that funny? Well, there's got to be another way. Why? Well, he didn't really mean that. What? Well, we all love, it's just all about love. No. No, there's no plan B. In Genesis 3, the devil spoke to Eve and said, asked, asked her if God really said this. Right? You remember, you don't eat the, the fruit of the of this tree and don't do this and that. And so when the devil came, he asked him, did he really say that? And you know, basically what he's doing, it's what happens today. Are you sure that's the only way? There's just gotta be another way. And the more we entertain those thoughts and the more the world in it, we entertain those worldly thoughts and the more we sit down. I'm amazed at some Christians and some, even some people and, and you're seeing people come out and there's all this stuff and whether they believe in same-sex marriage or kind of changing their, I'm like, you know what, if we sit and listen to that and talk to those people long enough about that stuff, you put yourself in a position to eventually question if that's the right plan or not. And that's how the enemy works. And so there is no plan B and, and so the enemy's always done that. In our world today, people are questioning God's plan. 
You cannot win without God's plan. So God's plan is perfect for marriage. Number one, let me give you this. Number one, the roles in Ephesians 5 make us attractive to our spouse and open their hearts to us. The roles in Ephesians 5 make us attractive to our spouse and open their hearts to us. Understand that really when you read this passage of scripture, it really is a powerful passage about attraction to one another or how to be attracted to the other person. This is what makes us attracted to one another. Ephesians 5.22, it says, submit to your husbands as you do the Lord. That means honor your husbands or honor your husbands. And this is not a picture of some weak, subservient, doormat woman submitted to some Neanderthal tyrannical man. It's not a picture of that. I mean, you can look at Ephesians 5.21 and it says, submit to one another. You realize both people are required to submit here. Both people are required to honor here. And so it doesn't speak to demeaning or less than equals. It doesn't speak to being less than equals. We have different roles, but we are equal in the eyes of God. We have different roles and responsibilities. So understand this. This says in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jesus is the boss. Where are we arguing who's the boss here? Jesus is the boss but the wife is to honor the husband, it says. When God tells a woman to honor their husbands, he's not trying to put a woman down. He's not trying to make her less important than the husband. He's not trying to put her less or beneath the man, even though that's how men live too much of the time. He's trying to turn the man's heart towards her. And the number one need of a man is honor. So when he says honor your husband, he's putting you in a place of greatest attraction to him. Come on. This is a passage that really deals a lot with attraction. If you will honor, because that's the number one, see, God knows the number one need of man because he created man. He created him with the greatest need. And so if he puts a passage in here that says for the wife to honor her husband, what he's doing is saying, I'm gonna give you the secret to opening up his heart. Oh no, I'm not gonna be beneath him. Oh no, I'm not gonna bow down to him. Oh no, I'm not, no, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to honor him as you'll honor me and it'll open up his heart. He won't be able to resist you. He's really smart. He's a lot smarter than we are. The number one need of a man is honor and respect. And so when a wife honors her husband, it's fulfilling to him and makes her attractive to him. And when it says honor your husband as you do the Lord, it's talking about a standard. As you do the Lord, think about that. That's a real, that's a, that's, if you think about that one, how are you honoring God? Right, it's a standard. Some of us have very low standards then because we're not honoring God very much with our life. So if you're gonna give the same honor to your husband, there's not a whole lot there. Got really quiet, but I expected it to at that point. I put a little side note, it'll be quiet right here. So it wouldn't rock me or or throw me off, all right? So I knew that, no, I'm just kidding. So it's like, it's honor is a big deal, but honor to God's a big deal, right? When you draw close to me, I'll draw closer to you. When you honor me, I'll honor you. Hey, God's all about honor. And the Bible says that's your standard, how you're honoring God. So listen, when we honor our, when we, listen ladies, when you honor your husband, it needs to come out of your love relationship for God, not what he's done or didn't do, right? And so the closer you draw to God and show him more honor, he will equip you through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, whether you feel like it or not, or whether that guy deserves it or not, to show honor and respect to him. And you see the response is the same as God will respond to you. You draw closer to him, you honor him, and God set it up that way. Then you'll become more attractive to that man. It has nothing to do with being beneath him or not being equals. Nothing at all. Honor your husband as you would Jesus. 
It's not how your mom and dad lived. It's not how your neighbors or friends live in their marriage. It's, not what you, it's definitely not what you see on TV or, or movies at all. It's a standard. It's you honor the Lord and you honor your husband in the same way. And so we have good days and bad days in that, but we need to be working on that. It's honor your husband as you would Jesus. Makes you more attractive. First Peter 3, 1 through 4. Let's take a look at that. First Peter 3, 1 through 4. Wives, in the same way, submit. There's that word again. Honor, respect. <clears throat> Give yourself to your husband, uh, your own husband, so that if any of them do not believe. Now listen to this. Here's the result of honor and respect. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Wow, that's a power. Honor is a powerful thing. And let me say this, ladies, if you have a husband that's not serving God or maybe he doesn't know the Lord or maybe he knows him, he's not walking with him, you know what, you want, how you want to turn that around? Don't, don't preach at him all day long because this says without words. You honor him, God's perfect plan for marriage, and you'll see the success of a turnaround without you having even to address it verbally. So you honor him and it'll turn without words. Keep going. When they see the purity and reverence of your life, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing a golden jewelry or fine clothes. Don't just focus on your outward beauty. Boy, if our young ladies will get that today, it's not just about your outward beauty. Work on the beauty inside, amen? Right, that'd be freeing. Help some of our girls not have some of the self-esteem issues and all that kind of stuff. God's made you beautiful. Be beautiful on the inside. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet. Say gentle and quiet. Not rough and loud. I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to, right? I'm just going to tell him I'm getting his faith. That, okay, that doesn't work, but gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Listen, if it's of great worth in God's sight, he's going to support it. Let me say two things about that. He's going to support it, and it's going to be very rare. It's something that has great worth and great value, right? We'll protect it, but what makes it partly, what makes it great value and worth is rare. And sadly, it's too rare in our world today, especially in our marriages, the whole thing about honor and respect. And so, but God's gonna support that. But here's the thing, if God's gonna support it, then you don't have to. The Holy Spirit's gonna back it up. The Holy Spirit's gonna enforce it. You don't have to. You try to take matters in your own hands, you are no longer quiet, <laughs> gentle and quiet. You're rough and loud. Well, I'm gonna bless God. I'm gonna support it then, and you need to... Well, you're just taking him out of the support role. So... This is God's plan for marriage. The power of respect and honor makes you attracted to him and makes him open his heart to you without a word, without even saying a word. This is great worth in God's sight. I love that. It's of great worth in God's sight. Honor makes you attractive to your husband and puts God as the supporter or enforcer. Men need honor. I was talking to somebody and um, just something happened and, and I encouraged him and I said, you need, you need to be his biggest cheerleader. You need to be his biggest cheerleader. And here's the great thing about cheerleaders. I heard somebody say this is not my illustration. Here's the great thing about cheerleaders. Cheerleaders cheer for everything, right? Cheerleaders cheer for everything. Your team can be losing 50 to zero. And cheerleaders are, hold that line, defense. There is no defense. That's why you're losing 50 to zero, all right? Score, you can't score. Can't even hang on to the ball, right? A cheerleader, it doesn't matter. They're cheering. Come on, wives. You're cheering, you're a cheerleader, honor and respect. And so it's not like you throw the pom-poms down and really, here, you get the pom-poms, let me get the pad, I'll at least tackle somebody. 
That's a lot of marriages right there, but I'm, I'm going on. I'm moving on right there. That was dangerous ground. All right, number one need for a woman is they need security. Women want security. They want to know their needs will be met by their husband sacrificially. Oh my goodness. You realize in the Ephesians 5, two-thirds of that is speaking to men, not to women. It's twice as much addressed to men. And it's about how they are supposed to be like Jesus. And aren't you glad that Jesus supports us sacrificially? I mean, look at the cross again. We already talked about that. He laid his life down. I mean, really, guys, I mean, we want to get hung up on something, but really, ladies, you want to get, or actually, ladies, you want to get hung up on the submission part? The man's got it tougher. He's got to live sacrificially. He's got to put himself second, put your needs first. And women need that security. Women want security. They want to know their needs will be met by their husbands sacrificially. Husbands, if you love your, life, your wife like Jesus, you lay down your life. She should nag you to get her needs met. Show me all the time. We'll meet her needs. That's what Jesus does. That's what he does. You don't get to sit in the big chair. You know, just because you're the head of the home, it doesn't mean you get to sit in the big chair and get the remote. <laughs> it means you get to serve everybody else. Come on. Thank you for the amen. I'm from a man right here on the front row. It means you get to serve everybody else. It means their needs come first. Hey, isn't that what Jesus does? Right? supposed to live like him. I'm the head. I'm the head so I can meet the needs of my family sacrificially if necessary. Not after yours have been met, but maybe instead of yours. And that makes a husband attractive to a wife. Come on, ladies. There's not a lady in here that is not attractive, when, attracted to her husband when he is serving her needs first, making sure she is taken care of. And there's not a man in here that's not attracted to his spouse when she is honoring, respecting, and being the cheerleader even when you're losing 50 to zero. This is a powerful passage of scripture on attraction. It's God's plan for marriage. It's successful marriage. So studies show that women find their husbands most sexually attractive when helping out at home. Uh, Ladies, I gave you a really big, all right, I say, well, I'm in the doghouse with men right now, but ladies, come on, you got my back right there, okay? It makes, a husband, it makes a husband attracted to the wife and she opens up her heart. Joe McGee, I remember him saying all the time that sex begins in the kitchen. He made aprons, right? He made some aprons that wear like when you're doing dishes or an apron, something like that. Anyways, Ephesians, we didn't buy one. Uh, Ephesians 5 tells us how to be attracted to our spouse and how to open up their hearts to us. Spouse will open up uh, a spouse, let me say it this way, in case we looked at what will open the spouse's heart. A spouse won't open up when they feel threatened. And what threatens women? Insensitivity and insecurity. What threatens men? Dishonor and disrespect. Ephesians 5 neutralizes our fears and causes us to open our hearts. This is God's perfect plan. Let me give you number two. Number two, the roles in Ephesians 5 release both of us to fulfill our potential. They release both of us to fulfill our potential. That's what the roles do. They're not restricting, they're freeing. Genesis 2.18. Let's take a look at that. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Meaning when we come together, it gives us the ability to fulfill our greatest potential. Let me say this for a minute. I'm not talking about, I don't want singles to be offended in here. I got limited time. We're talking about Ephesians 5. But God has a plan and purpose for everyone. And everyone. Well, so having said that, if you're single in life right now, let me say this, you will not reach your fullest potential without godly men in your life, ladies. 
If you're a single man in here, you'll not reach your fullest potential without godly women in your life. Come on. It doesn't necessarily mean that that marriage relationship, and I'm not even talking about dating, I'm, I'm talking about people and relationships that you have that will speak into your life and help mentor and help you. We need that. We need the opposite sex for a lot more reasons than the one that will first pop into our head, or at least a man. Uh, but we need the opposite sex for so many other things. And it's to help reach our full potential. So I just want to say that. So this is not where I'm going with the single soul. I just I want to let you know that. So we need that. A same-sex marriage will not reach God's intended potential because it does not involve the opposite sex. Okay? Hey, and that is proven physically, psychologically, emotionally. It's proven in so many ways scientifically. It's just not Bible. It's science, psychology, sociology, it's all that. So uh, our roles in marriage release us to fulfill our potential, Ephesians 5.29. Let's go back to our passage. It says this, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. Oops, I'm reading. You got the New King James, I think, I gave you. Right. For no one ever hated his own flesh. This is the men, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Nourishes and cherishes it. So men are to help their spouses reach the full potential. It says nourish and cherish. And those are terms, really, those are terms used to grow something. Nourish and cherish it. Husbands, a husband really is an agricultural term. Husbandmen. That means gardeners or caretakers. So uh, every husband's role is to bring his wife to their full potential in God. Come on. Every husband's role is to help bring their wife to their full potential in God. Whatever, whatever God designed them to do in the womb of their mother, that is a husband's role to bring his spouse to their full potential in God. So whatever he created her for, that's a husband's job to bring her to her full potential in God. God made men and women as equals but different. And men are to care for them and we need them. Uh, five, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5 uh, 28, I think I just read 28, let me back up, 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. And then it went on to say that cherish, nourish, and to cherish. So men are to help the spouses reach their full potential just as Jesus does for you and I. Is that not the role of the man as Jesus? Jesus' role, Jesus, the role of Jesus is to help you and I reach our full potential. Not to just scoot by, scrape by, crawl by to survive, right? That's not why Jesus died, just so we could get by, make it to heaven one day without too many bumps and bruises along the way. He died so we could have the best life possible, amen? Abundant life, life abundantly. Come on, that's the role of the man. So we need to help our wives reach their full potential. Nourish means to feed to maturity. Nourish means to feed to maturity. All, uh, all she needs, we provide, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, to help her grow in maturity in the things of God. And cherish means to keep warm. Women reach their full potential with a godly man in their life. Again, you can draw so many things back to the same sex thing. We need the opposite sex in our roles. The reason why we love Jesus is because he gave his life so we could reach our full potential despite our deficiencies. And then understand this, uh, the Bible says that he seated me with him in heavenly places. He doesn't put us down. He raises us up. Come on, and men were to be like Jesus. We don't put him down. We don't put him less than us. 
They're not second. They're not an afterthought. They're, they're not unimportant. Jesus laid his life down to raise us up. We're seated in heavenly places. We are there to raise them up to their full potential. Ephesians says we are supposed to love our wives and treat our wives like that, nourish and protect. Ephesians 5.33. Let's keep going. I just got a few minutes left. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Everything... Uh, Everything that women want and need happens in an environment or an atmosphere of nurture and security. And basically what Ephesians is helping us understand is how to create environments where each spouse can thrive, reach our fullest potential. Everything men become, they become in an atmosphere of honor and respect. So you can see, men, you need to provide an atmosphere or environment of nurture and security so she can thrive and reach her full potential. Ladies, you need to provide an atmosphere or environment of honor and respect so he can reach his full potential. Without those, we don't. It's Ephesians 5. It's God's plan for marriage. Whatever we're to become happens in the atmosphere described in Ephesians 5. Let me look at Proverbs 31, 23 for you real quick. Listen to this, an atmosphere. Her husband is respected. Proverbs 31, you guys need to read it. All the ladies probably know it. Proverbs 31 is about the righteous lady and the righteous woman and it talks about great things and what she has done and how she's become that. So understand where this is coming from. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Why is he an elder, a respected elder? It's not because of what he's done. Proverbs 31, it's because of what she's done. She's created an environment of honor and respect, and eventually in that environment of honor and respect, he became an elder. Proverbs 31 is all, you go read it, it's all about what that lady does. It's not about that man, it's that lady created an environment for that man to sit at the gate and be respected. He's sitting at the gate being respected as an elder because of her. She created that environment. He was not that at one time, Come on, that'll preach right there. He was not that at one time. Their husband may not be like that. Well, he's not an elder. He's not, you know, no one respects him. Well, you start respecting him and treat him like he is, and you'll create an environment where he'll become that. You honor and respect him into that place, and he'll grow to be that. 1 Peter 3, we, we read that a moment ago. If you keep going on beyond where we read, Sarah called Abraham Lord, a term of honor. And you might say, if my husband acted like Abraham, I might call him Lord. I might treat him like that, but he doesn't. It's an environment that she created. Honor and respect, the atmosphere. We need to remember also that Abraham on two occasions lied about his wife being his sister. And he was a coward part of the time, and he lied several times. But she did what? She created an atmosphere of honor and respect. Men become something in an atmosphere of honor. Your husband will. Ephesians 5 tells husbands and wives how we are attracted to each other and that's how we reach our potential. It is God's plan. And I gotta close with this. Number three, the roles in Ephesians 5 destroy our sin nature and keep them from destroying our marriages. The roles in Ephesians 5 destroy that which in us that rebels against this. And let me explain that for just a moment. Understand that our nature says this, I don't want to respect him. And even just talking about this this evening, some of you are pushing back on the inside. I mean, my, I, I even had that battle myself because our nature is all about us. 
but I don't want to respect him, or some might be pushing back, I don't want to serve her. And as long as we have that, we'll not have successful marriage at home. Men and women are different. Our roles are different. Our natures are different. The roles in Ephesians deals with the natures that we struggle with. Now, understand this. We're, we're different. We're equal, but we're different. And so we can't just look at our spouse and expect them to be what we are and to see things how we see it. And that's where our struggle is. Why I'm trying to change you to, to fit what I want. Not as, that's not how it works. Ephesians 5 helps reveal that to us and gives us a plan on how to deal with that in our own lives because that will destroy our marriage. When you go to Genesis, you see the sin nature of Adam and Eve. Understand this, Eve took the apple and ate it, right? We understand the story. There's the tree, took an apple. You realize Eve wasn't there when God gave the instruction, don't eat of that tree. She wasn't on the planet. Maybe somebody didn't tell her. Maybe somebody didn't take some responsibility and say, oh, by the way, oh, I forgot to tell you. But we know Adam was there with Eve because she turned immediately and gave it to Adam. It's not like she wandered off. But it's funny because she's there and he's there and all of a sudden she just reached, she wants to do her own thing. She, she's got it figured out, right? She's got it and she had that conversation with, she's, you know, she's gonna t- do her thing. So maybe sometimes what the ladies need to fight against is, I'm gonna tell you how to do this. Thank you. I was waiting for a woman at least to support that. I didn't know if there would be, but thank you, Tammy. But, you know, it's like, sometimes like, I'm gonna tell you how to do it. I, I know a better way. I can do it. And sometimes that's just kind of the nature of a lady. She, she wants to get things done. She's task-oriented a lot of times. She, she does. She, God wired her. She's smarter than we are. She, they see things, things differently. She needs to. My God, if we're both the same, we're gonna miss something somewhere. We're gonna fail somewhere. And then the man standing right next to him, why don't you do anything, Adam? You're too passive. You're too lazy. Are you just sitting in front of the TV with the remote and watch ESPN? And that's not a bad thing. That's a God thing. <laughs> I should use a different example. So our natures are maybe, maybe a woman's nature more is to kind of tell you what to do. And maybe a, a man's nature too more is kind of just to check out and be passive and be lazy. Ephesians 5 gives us roles and responsibilities that counteract that. So ladies... You just don't get to go and run and tell and run out and do whatever you want to do. You got a partnership there. And so God put a little extra layer of accountability, if you will, there. Why? Because the woman's nature is a little bit different. And so Ephesians 5 helps you deal with that, which might destroy your marriage. And men, you have some responsibility. You can't sit back and do nothing. You can't be lazy. You cannot be passive. You can't let everything pass you by. You have to take some responsibility. And you got to get up off the couch, put the remote down, and do something for your family and for your spouse. And when you do that in your role as provider and you do that in all kinds of things, guess what? You are combating the thing that will destroy our marriages. Ephesians 5. God set it up that way. So it destroys our sin nature, our propensity to sin in those areas and keeps them from destroying our marriages. And it creates a way men and women deal with that within them that can be an enemy to the marriage. Women, honor and respect your husband as the head of the home. There's an added layer, layer of accountability there. Men, nourish and cherish puts an added layer of responsibility. And you can see that. Don't be lazy. Don't sit idly by. Well, Adam, why'd you sit idly by while you're, why, she, did you not even tell her the instruction? Maybe, maybe she didn't even tell her. Maybe he didn't even tell her. But he's standing right there. Step up and do something. Women, you'll have to be careful not to act on your own without that partnership. And men, you'll have to be careful not to be passive or lazy. 
Ephesians 5 puts us in the mode of serving and honoring someone different than us and it causes us to die to ourselves because we want it to be about us. So ladies, honor him where you want him to be and he will rise to that level. Men, serve her and help her reach her full potential. Ephesians 5 is God's perfect plan for marriage. He only has one plan. How our marriages are will be a direct result of how we embrace or reject Ephesians 5 and the truth in it. You don't get a different interpretation. Man doesn't get to revise it in today's quote-unquote version. God's way was perfect the way he designed it. And that's the only way it works for success. God loves you, you can succeed. He'll forgive your mistakes and heal you. Your past has been taken care of and your future awaits in Ephesians 5. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you for letting me go over a few minutes. So much more we'd like to say, but my belief is the Holy Spirit, as you continue to go back into this passage, will continue to reveal things to you. Things that perhaps I didn't see are brought out, but the Holy Spirit in you will help you continue to process this in a way that you can apply it to life. God's word works, amen? His way is perfect. So let the past be the past. The cross has already dealt with your past. Let Ephesians 5 deal with our future. Let's do what we all need to do to make adjustments and get things in order as God intended. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.